The following show is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Welcome to Discovering Responsible Wealth. Uh, this is Frank Congelos, your host, and our guest today, Bob Farrell, one of the partners over at Tomorrow uh, Financial and over here at CNA Financial Group. So, Bob, welcome. It's great to see you. Good seeing you, Frank. You know, it's hard to believe that we are a little over a year since this whole thing started with the pandemic. We're sitting here at the you know end of April and we're looking back and it's been a crazy year. Uh, it certainly has been a crazy year, I agree with that. And so in light of what's going on, um, things seem to be making a lot of progress. Um, we're hearing that half of you know Americans have had their first vaccine shot. Which is actually more than that because if you think about it, they're saying, half of the people, it's 100 million people that they say have been fully vaccinated. And if there's 335 million people in the United States, we know children don't qualify. So as a percentage of people that are eligible, it's a lot higher. And so we're starting to see an end to that. Um, you know, I hear from different financial institutions and so forth that I've been online with, you know, uh, that through the course of the summer, they think that we'll see more and more of a sense of normalcy. I know here in New Jersey, they just, you know, allowed for larger gatherings. And so things are, are doing well. And in light of things doing well, things have also changed a lot in Europe. So very you know, much so. As, as an example, if we look back this time last year, we look at what interest rates were, you know, the treasury and so forth. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, if you think about what has happened in a year and you go backwards and think about how markets have performed, um, albeit... I don't think anybody could have anticipated a pandemic like this. And so the natural reaction to the market was an immediate sell-off and a flight to quality. Uh, however, as we advocate, it's really, you know, we're not market timers. And long-term investing with a, a diversified portfolio is the soundest way for asset accumulation over time. Um, so you had, you know, from a as bad as it felt, um, we have NASDAQ that's recovered 60% off its lows. The Russell at 70, the S&P at close to 50. And interest rates went down to 50 basis points on a 10-year. You know, currently, we stand at 162 today and probably going higher. Um, credit has performed remarkably well. Credit assets. Municipal bonds, in light of what has happened with the new tax legislation, have performed um, just as this year. Muni bonds are unchanged. However, long-term government bonds are down 12%. Corporate bonds are down 7%. And, and the whole thing for our listeners that are listening to that, or the reason why that's occurring is because interest rates have gone up and the way that bonds work is the value of the bond is worth less when interest rates go up. Absolutely. So, you know, you present value the difference. And if rates move 1% and it's a 10-year security, you would present value 1% over 10 years, which is approximately eight and a quarter percent. And that's why you have an eight and a quarter percent loss. Great insight. So, you know what? Is interesting is in light of all of that, with the markets are recovering, the pandemic and so forth, it seems like the cost of things are going higher. I, I had, you know, my daughter the other day was uh, mentioning that her neighbor decided to sell our house. Um, and, you know, I think they listed it or whatever on like a Friday and they were doing an open a house on that Sunday. And between Friday and Sunday, there were 15 appointments to see the house, and they had multiple offers above the you know, asking price, all cash. 
And we're hearing more and more about that. Um, you know, we're hearing about the cost of goods, you know, with regard to wood and everything else. Yeah. And, uh, maybe we should chat a little bit about that because I know people get concerned when they think in terms of inflation or, you know, now when I go to fill up my tank at the, you know, at the gas pump, it's different than it was a year ago. It's different than it was six months ago. Yeah, yeah, I think what we're really experiencing is asset price inflation, um, as evidenced by what's happening in the equity market, right? Equity values are not necessarily inflated, but we're seeing an inflationary component associated with that. Housing is no different. Um, I think the Northeast, outside the New York area, has probably seen a significant benefit from COVID um, because people don't want to live in densely populated areas anymore. So if you take a radius outside of 60 miles out of New York City, any house that went on the market um, is gone, as evidenced by what you just said. Um, people didn't want land for years. Nobody wanted to take care of it. They would rather have an apartment. They'd rather have a condo. Land is trades at a premium now. And I think that that will not change because this will stay in people's mind when separations come. Um, I think we've seen unbelievable asset price inflation when it comes to housing in the tri-state area. Uh, just the average annually for this year is 11%. However, in the Northeast, you're north of 20%. Just to give you an appreciation, it's crazy. Um, it's 20% over two years, and over five years, it's 32%. Um, but you have areas in the North, and specifically within New Jersey and in New York, that home prices are up 50% in a year or two. And to your point, people coming in, um, the stat I read the other day was pretty remarkable that if you go year on year in real estate in New Jersey, how long a house was listed for and the purchase price that a year ago, the average purchase price was 92% of the list price. Today, it's at 104%. Homes had an average duration on the market of 54 days. Now it's 17 days. And it speaks to housing inflation, and it's probably not going to go away. And, and it's not just housing. I mean, I, I think we're seeing it in everything. Well, I, I think that, to me, I've always kind of had a conspiracy theory with CPI and PPI, because the government produces numbers as to what inflation is, which they argue runs between two and three percent a year. And sure enough, if you look going back 20 years, um, CPI is about 60 percent. So let's call it three percent a year. But ordinary people experience inflation far greater than that. Uh, just to give you an appreciation, going to a restaurant is 100 percent. So that's five percent a year. Uh, automobile insurance is 220 percent. That's 10 percent a year. Medical supplies, 225%. Um, these are all numbers that the ordinary person pays every day. So um, I believe that the true inflation number for the ordinary person is probably close to 6 to 7% annual. And if you think about it, something as simple as calling to get your air conditioner fixed at your house last year versus this year, or if you called in 2019 versus 2021, just for the guy or gal to show up your door. It's a heck of a lot more money. So, and, and it's interesting because, you know, when our listeners are hearing this, they're wondering, like, so what does that have to do with us uh, other than we're feeling it? And my point in bringing this up and why we're having this conversation is we recognize that our clients have money and our friends and family have money that are in different holdings, whether they're in cash or in bonds or in stocks. And the reality is, is that cash at the moment basically is paying nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, bonds, Money funds are yielding one basis point. Yeah. Bonds, not much better. Nope. 
And so now we're looking towards equities because what we're trying to do is not really lose purchasing power uh, based upon inflation of the money that we have that's invested. And yet there's a lot of people that are getting a little un unnerving or uneasy that the markets are hitting these new heights every time you turn around. And, and I think an allocation into a diverse equity portfolio makes sense because it's one of the historically one of the best hedges against inflation. It's that in real estate. And, and, and Bob, that's a, the comment really that we were looking to get at in our conversation today, which is what do people do? Because you know, it was last year, you know, if, if I you know, put my money in the NASDAQ, I put my money in the FANG stocks, I've got the S&P 500. Um, I, I had, you know, for the last couple of years, I've had a great run up and, you know, part of, you know, what I wanted to bring up and, you know, you and I chat a little bit about is I think there's a case for what we refer to as asset class investing, which is utilizing all of the different asset classes to really smooth out a portfolio, recognizing that each asset class goes through a cycle. And so we just had that growth cycle. We had that NASDAQ cycle and we're starting to see other cycles come around. It's so true. And if you think about, I remember you and I chatted on a podcast probably in April or May of last year and talked about what's going on in the market. And the message I think we both sent out was don't panic and, and don't try to time. And I'm, I'm happy the large majority of our clients didn't. But one of the things that we talked about was a portfolio and rebalancing a diverse portfolio. And if you recall, mid cap, small cap and value were destroyed and they were significant underperformance. Um, now the right thing to do is if that was supposed to be 10% of your portfolio and you had growth that became 15 and it was supposed to be 10 and 10, you need to ensure it's balanced and that's our job as advisors. Well, the best performers this year happen to be small cap, mid cap and value along with REITs that significantly underperformed. So I think the key to long-term investing is a well-diversified global portfolio um, that is always rebalanced. And that to me has always been the key to success. And you know, that was really the point I was trying to get to in our conversation with our listeners, which is um, asset class investing. Um, you know, Cause you know, there are people that look and they go, hey, we can have the argument active versus passive or whatever the case might be. And you know, if I just kind of put that to the side, you know, there are people that go, hey, I'll just own an index fund. But at the end of the day, there's so many different indexes that having different asset classes are really the key to long-term performance in a portfolio, not necessarily um, one holding or whatever the case might be. And that's really the message for today, which is to say, you know, in today's environment, um, getting back to that globally diversified, well-allocated, rebalancing portfolio, that makes sense. I think it it's historically made sense and it really comes to fortune right now and you see it. Um, I, personally, I, you know, international is, has underperformed. Um, they're a little behind the curve of COVID. They could potentially be in a position where they're outperformed. Additionally, with tariffs and, and letters have happened in a new administration, they could be in a position to outperform. So ensuring that you have balance is probably the most important, but you need to have a taste of every asset class to ensure growth. Great perspective. And then the only other thing that I would uh, end with as we're having this conversation today is that what we saw last year was a liquidity crisis. You know, initially when this started, everybody got nervous of what's gonna happen. And then we saw everybody selling assets. 
And then when the government pumped liquidity into the markets and we knew that everything was going to be fine, everything was good. But my point in liquidity is for your individual liquidity, understanding that the markets will have ups and downs. And as long as you have liquidity for your short-term needs, if you should happen to have them, then staying for the course of the ride and allowing the markets to recover when they have ups and downs because nobody can predict it is really key to long-term success. I agree. Um, you also you, you always need liquidity. I mean, that's important because things come up in life. Um, however, when it comes to what occurred, it was a it was a real crisis of liquidity. And I remember talking to clients about the bond market as an example. Whereas we could sell a bond, it was a hundred thousand dollar bond. If I wanted to sell it, I could sell it for ninety nine thousand. If you wanted to buy it, it was a hundred. Nothing changed in the credited bond. Everything's the same. But during that crisis, it would still cost me 100 to buy, but if I wanted to sell it, it's 85. Because of the way the market was, it was a dislocation. And fortunately, you know, we had very few people that actually wanted to sell, and it was kind of an explanation and keep our clients informed as to what's going on. You know, and it, it proved to be payoff in spades. The, I think the federal government did a remarkable job with stimulus programs and it started buying corporate assets that it had never done before and it really stabilized the market and it, it paid off. It's done really, really well. Great insight. And so, you know, as we're going forward, um, outlooks of everything that I'm hearing is, you know, the economy looks like it's growing. It's going to have great growth this year. Uh, looks like even into the beginning of next year from everything that we're seeing and hearing, things are looking pretty good. Things are looking very, very good. Year on year, the numbers are staggering. I mean, you're talking about large, stable companies that you're on your revenue growth of 30%, which is unheard of. Uh, so I think the outlook for the economy is, is strong. Um, and even though the market has rebounded and we're at our highs, um, I don't see anything short of a geopolitical event. Yeah, I always say is, hey, there can always be a black swan like we've had, sure. but you know, right now things are looking pretty good. Absolutely. Uh, do I think we're going to get this double-digit crazy escalated growth? I don't. But do I think the market's in a really good shape for a normal return? Absolutely. So for all of our listeners, um, you've been listening to Discovering Responsible Wealth. I'd like to thank our guest today, Bob Farrell, you know, one of our usuals coming on. Bob, always great to get some insights from you. Always good to come on. And this has been Frank Congelos, and we wish everybody a great month and a great quarter, and we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. Advisors of the Institute of Responsible Wealth may be licensed for investment and insurance products. The Institute of Responsible Wealth is an educational division of CNA Financial Group. CNA Financial Group and its advisors are an agency or an agent of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Park Avenue Securities is a direct, wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. The Institute of Responsible Wealth and CNA Financial Group are not affiliates or subsidiaries of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. 2021-120504